I went from trading my time for money, you know, getting a paycheck, working a certain amount of hours, doing a job and getting a paycheck to having ownership in something that would pay me no matter what, no matter if I was working, whether or not I was sick, whether or not I was paying attention, whether or not, because once you have ownership in something and it's a profitable business and that business is, is kicking off dividends or profit sharing checks, you're, you're going to, you just receive the check and you just cash those checks. I turned 50 y'all and I started a podcast. Really, age is just a number. It comes down to how we choose to live and the choices we make in our life and those things accumulate. Don't let the programming of life keep you from doing things every single day that, that make you happy. When we feel good, it's easy to think good. Life is not happening to you. You are your life. You are happening to your life. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This episode is the first installment of a series of episodes on business, entrepreneurship, and residual income. This is a subject that I'm really passionate about. Um, and um, it's, as an entrepreneur, this is what I spend um, my life doing is kind of evaluating business plans, um, investing in and helping to supervise and operate businesses, and um, it's something that over time I've gotten really good at. And a lot of times you get really good at something because you you fail forward. A lot of attempts, a lot of failures, and as long as you can learn from your failures, eventually you begin to um, figure out the patterns of what's going to make you, make you successful. But in this first episode of this subject matter. I want to talk about the origins of my entrepreneurship, which reside firmly um, in relationship with my father. And um, I was recently invited to participate in a women's conference um, that was last month um, th that was called Embody Your Greatness. And I was asked to be a speaker at this event. And um, I set out to create, you know, a talk um, that would be inspiring, that would engage people, um, you know, share them a little bit about my life and some of the experiences I had been through and, you know, how, you know, I continue to try to develop myself and, and iterate myself on an upward spiral. And as I had reflected, as I reflected on my life and I was coming up with the content for my talk, I realized that the, one of the stories I needed to tell was a story of how, um, I came to work with my father in his business many, many years ago. In fact, it was 2002. And it was actually a wonderful process to go through this reflection and put together this information for this conference that I spoke about. And um, and I, I only spoke for 15 minutes. And so I really wanted to expand on this subject and talk about a little bit more detail of what it was like um, having, number one, working for my dad, but also learning everything that I learned about being an entrepreneur. 
So before I tell you what happened in 2002, when I started working with my dad, I need to go back three years prior to that to give some context. So three years prior was 1999. And in 1999, I was living in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico, um, mostly up to no good. Um, but I, I spent a year there working in the tourism industry. And by the end of the year, I basically needed to come back to California um, and move in with my parents, um, you know, basically with my tail between my legs and, you know, no money and no prospects, as they say. And uh, at this point, I was, oh, was I 28 years old? 28, I think I was. Um, you know, so I moved in with my parents and I needed to get a job as a, in a temp agency in order to save enough money, you know, so that I could get my own place. And I think I also sold my car. And a few months later I was able to put a down payment or not put a down payment, get enough money to, um, um, get a apartment of my own. It was a little studio apartment in, um, Oceano beach. And I found myself a full-time permanent position, uh, working for a, a mom and pop, internet marketing business. It was a, I, I was their kind of administrative assistant, office manager, accounting person. Um, and I, the, their business was this little office above a retail store in Pismo beach. And it was actually a really beautiful view. And I got to sit there every day, but you know, I, 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 I carved out a, a sweet little life for myself. You know, I, I was making $10 an hour, so I had a, a little budget, and I had my little apartment, you know, my little studio apartment, and of course, I sold my car, so I had a bike, and I would get on my bike, and I would ride down Highway California Highway 1 from Oceano to Pismo Beach every day and go to work, you know, and things were all right, you know, things were all right. Uh, fast forward to 2002. And, uh, at the time my dad had decided he was going to be leaving his position as the hospital administrator there locally. And he was going to st start his own outpatient surgery center development company along with three other surgeon partners. And they had been doing this a little bit on the side for the previous, I think at least three years, developing outpatient surgery centers, kind of all up and down um, the central uh, coast and, and central valley of California. Uh, but in 2002, he was quitting his job and he was going to do this full time with his partners. And he started talking to me about, you know, whether or not would I consider coming to work for this company, for him and this company and help them really take this business model um, national. And, you know, my first reaction was absolutely not. I don't, you know, want to work for my dad. My dad, you know, is very, very, you know, strict, you know, very, um, you know, <laughs> strong-willed, um, domineering, intimidating, could be condescending at times, 
Um, I say that lovingly, um, but you know, he, he, he demands, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certain, you know, as a daughter demands a lot, but also as an employee, I was like, I don't even want to touch this with a 10 foot pole. But we continued to have discussions about it. He did not let it go. He was not deterred. Um, and I'm sure I, you know, sought counsel from my mom and from my friends and other people. And, um, I continued to, to consider it, but I was really, really hesitant. But at one point I think what, you know, pushed, pushed me over the edge in, in the positive direction to work for him was he offered me $12 and 50 cents an hour. So that represented a 25% hourly increase. So I did it. I took the leap. And I decided um, to go ahead and work for my dad. And, you know, I did end up working really, really, really hard. It For sure, I worked really hard. But what I didn't realize was that it would begin, um, you know, really a five-year, the next five years kind of became a real-world MBA. Um, you know, I, my dad became my mentor. It was a mentorship program. And he taught me everything. Um, you know, I started out, when I started out working for him, I was getting coffee, you know, and making deposits to the bank or, you know, setting up appointments or running errands. And, um, but my dad did not just, he did not see that for me. He really saw something in me. And so, so every time he was tasked with something like, hey, I got to, review these floor plans, or I need to put this financial projection projection together for, um, you know, a new surgery center, or I need to host a business meeting, you know, for these doctors, he would include me. So I started to learn about, you know, putting a business plan together, you know, what needs to go inside of a business plan. You know, we, we, I had to always, we had to look at financial statements and financial reports and put these, you know, things together. And so I learned the difference between like a profit and loss and a balance sheet and how to put a budget together, a, a financial, you know, business budget, how to um, put financial projections together for a business, um, all of these things. Um, I attended, you know, he brought me along on these business trips. You know, he wanted me to see, you know, how meetings were run, you know, in, in all these different cities that we would go to. We, we initially started working in St. Louis, Missouri. So we had all of these trips. We would go back and forth to St. Louis and host, um, you know, business meetings with these physicians and I would sit and I would take notes. So I learned how to, I learned how to plan meetings, right? How to, create an agenda for a business meeting and then make sure that you had all of the attachments and all of the backup information for everything single thing on an on the agenda for a meeting and then you prepared these packets and you made sure every single thing was correct you know and you printed them out and you made packets for these doctors and you know and then I would sit there in the you know in the meetings and just take notes watching all of this happen and 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 recording really recording with a pen and a paper um everything that was happening and the decisions that were made and the action items that were, you know, created. And it was unbelievable, you know, how this man, my, my dad 
took me under his wing. And every time I learned something new, he just then let me do that and then tasked me, you know, with a, a new challenge. And it was, it was amazing. And the business model that he had put together with his business partners was really, it's the, one of the most brilliant business models I've ever, um, encountered. And in fact, so brilliant that I've tried to replicate it, you know, or, or brainstorm on, on different industries that you could, that you could replicate it. Um, but basically the business model was, is that we looked to partner with surgeons anywhere in the country um, who did outpatient surgeries. So outpatient just means that you can do the surgery during the day and then that you can discharge them, discharge the patient by the end of the day and that they can come home. So these would be things like, you know, op- cataract surgery or, you know, ear, nose and throat surgery, you know, um, or podiatry, simple foot surgery, orthopedic surgery. Back in the day in 2002, you know, to, to, to you know, 2010, um, you, I don't think we were doing total knees or hips, you know, total joints like that, but you can now because of the, anyway, we would partner with surgeons who were doing outpatient surgery. So it could be, it could be any, I mean, you know, breast surgery, cosmetic surgery, all these things, but mostly we worked for, with doctors that had a lot of insurance. Um, we, we didn't focus on cosmetic and cash, um, elective cases. And the idea was, is that we would then partner we would create a surgery center. We would build them a surgery center and we would partner with the surgeons so that they could do their outpatient surgeries in the surgery center that they owned. And what we did is we brought our expertise in doing everything but the surgery. So we would put the group of surgeons together. We would find the group of surgeons, you know, put them together. We'd have an operating agreement that bound us together. Then we would go to a bank and we would get financing on behalf of the group. We would scout out and find a location um, to build the surgery center. Normally it was a building that was already existing and we would just do what they call tenant improvements on this building, we would hire the contractor, we would hire the interior designer, and we would, you know, go out to bid on these things. And, and then, and then once it became under construction, we would manage that construction. We would, uh, you know, recruit and hire um, a nurse manager, a business manager who would then go out and recruit all the other staff. Um, we would, you know, manage all of the equipment purchasing, um, the, you know, everything you need to, to supply a, an outpatient surgery center. And most importantly, we would work to get the surgery center licensed by the state in which it was located. So, you know, if we had a surgery center in, in, in Missouri, we would get it licensed in the state of Missouri by the healthcare department. So, and then once the surgery center was open and licensed, we would be, we would remain as one of the board members. So it would be us holding one board seat and the other board seats would be held by the surgeons that, that worked in the surgery center. 
Now we did not charge for our services, but we, but in exchange for our services, we owned 35% of the surgery center. So the local surgeons would own 65%. We would own 35%. We would do all of our services up front. We wouldn't charge for them. And, um, and then when the surgery center was open, the surgeons would do, you know, do their sur- uh, surgeries there and we would help kind of monitor and supervise the operations. And, um, and then for every profit dollar, it was split, you know, according to ownership, right? So if, if the surgery center made a dollar, our company made 35 cents and the surgeons made 65 cents and that's into perpetuity, like for the rest of the rest of the surgery center's existence. It took us about a year, maybe a year and a half to develop a surgery center, depending on, you know, what we encountered in the process. So we did about a year, year and a half's worth of work. And then, um, and then the surgeons took over. And then again, we were able to, to, uh, earn profits side by side with the, um, and so when you have a model like that, when you have a model where everyone's an owner, this is the first time I learned this lesson. When you can have a business where everyone's an owner, everyone thinks like an owner. Everyone is incentivized in this for the same thing, for the business to be successful and to make, you know, to make money. Um, nobody's just getting paid to be there. I mean, of course your employees are, but as far as the, the relationship between the, all of the owners, our, our company and the, and the surgeons, we were all incentivized. We were, we were tied at the hip. And the result was, is that these surgery centers were very, very, very successful. And it, and the other, you know, reason, there's so many reasons why it was successful, but another reason why it was successful is that it was a win, 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 win for everybody. It's a win for the surgeons because they get to do their surgeries in an outpatient surgery center that they own, that they've kind of handpicked the staff, that they can have their surgical day that they want, that they can, you know, not be interrupted, um, you know, by emergency cases like they would be in the hospital. They don't have to deal with sick patients, you know. So basically, instead of being, you know, doing their surgeries in the hospital, they were able to do them in a surgery center. It's way more convenient. They can be way more efficient. They're not dealing with sick people and they get a lot more surgery done, which means they're making a lot more money. And of course, they're also participating in the revenue of the facility which they don't get to do in a hospital. So, and the patients win. The patients get a happy surgeon, an efficient surgeon, you know, an experience where they don't have to go into a hospital. There's a bunch of sick people, very low infection rate. And believe it or not, uh, it costs less to do surgery in a surgery center than it does in a, in a hospital. So the insurance has to pay less. The patient has to pay less. It's all, it's a win, win, win. So, I spent, you know, five years like under the tutelage of my dad and going to all of these meetings and learning all of these things. And at one point I even became, um, a licensed administrator of an outpatient surgical center. That's like a, a licensed designation that you have to get training for and take a test for. And as I said earlier, I worked really, really, really hard. 
which is what I what I had been anticipated when I took that job. But I was really well rewarded for that for for my hard work and dedication. So I told you my dad paid me $12.50 an hour. Mind you, I think I'm 30 years old at this point, okay? Making $12.50 an hour. And I I'm that's what I earned for the first full year. And then I got a raise to $15 an hour. And I made that for the entire second year. <laughs> year three, I think I made about $18 an hour. Year four, I think I was put on salary for about $50,000 a year. Woo! Year five, my dad allowed me to participate in profit share. So he let me earn 1% of the profits that he brought into the company. So I wasn't earning 1% off the company profits, but my dad's portion, he shared with me 1% of his 100 <laughs> But you know what? That company was making a ton of money. And so even 1% of his profit was a lot of money. I mean, I was, you know, he really, after five years, was I was being rewarded for the hard work. And it was really, really exciting. Very, very exciting. Then um, w- one of my colleagues um, who had had then by then become my best friend. And to this day, you know, 20 years later, I can't believe it's been 20 years. Um, she is still my best friend and she was working with me. So we worked together. We both had the same, held the same position at the company. And, you know, we kind of started realizing, you know, that really the, where the money was to be made in this business plan was if you could somehow get yourself a piece of ownership of these surgery centers. And, you know, how are, like, I don't know how we would ever be able to do that. Right. I mean, we were employees and, um, so we talked about it and I, I, I just never occurred. I never, I never thought that they would ever allow us to participate in ownership in this company. But my friend Chris, she really felt that if we made the case, if we made the case, um, it could happen. So at one point, she crafted a letter on our behalf, on, on her and mine behalf, my behalf, that we sent to the two owners, my dad and his partner, the basic, I wish I had a copy of this letter. She probably has a copy of it, but we made the case that could we please, would you consider allowing us to go out and develop surgery centers under the umbrella of this company? Go find the, you know, choose the state, find the city, locate the doctors, sign up a group of doctors for, for a a project, do all the work, hold all the meetings, you know, um, do all the work, just do everything from soup to nuts. If we did that, could we please do that? Would you give us an opportunity to try? Because we, we really want to create some equity in this company. We really want to be able to participate in 
the prophets and the prophets, like, you know, and I, I really did not think they were going to go for it. I remember, I don't know if it was the night that she sent it or the night that we, yeah, after she sent it, we were waiting to hear back and we were just wondering what, what are they going to say? What are they going to say? And if you want to believe it, they, they agreed. They agreed to allow us to develop our own surgery centers. And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, basically they said, okay, we're going to give you a shot to go out and, and find new projects to do. You can use the resources and the support of our team and our, our company to help you do this. Um, and if you are successful, you will earn the ability to purchase ownership in these surgery centers. We will earn the ability to purchase ownership in these surgery centers. And by the way, um, this better not affect in any way, shape or form the job you're doing at this company that you're being paid to do. So in other words, you have a full-time job. And by the way, it was more than a full-time job. We probably work 60, 70 hours a week, easy. And in other words, you have to do your job. Nothing in your job can suffer. We can't notice that you're, you know, that you're taking time away from your job in order to develop your own surgery centers. And then you can do that in your spare time. <laughs> and if you're successful, you will be able to earn the ability to purchase ownership in these surgery centers. Oh my God, we got this response back. And I, I honestly couldn't believe it. I could not believe these two men. These guys were drivers. I mean, these guys, and I'm talking about my dad and, and his partner. I mean, they were drivers. They were end, they, they were end results people. It's like the process doesn't matter. We want the results. We want the surgery center. We want it now. We want it. We want it done correctly. Don't don't make one mistake. Don't make a misstep. Don't don't embarrass us. Like it better be perfect. It better be professional. It better be on time. It better be. You know, they were so meticulous and so driving. And, um, you know, that's just the way it was. So I couldn't believe that they were giving us an opportunity to do this. And I, I, I think ultimately they must have thought, well, boy, they have a, a bunch of balls to even ask us to do this. Cause by the way, we were the only women in this company. I mean, I should say, let me, let me back that up. All of the surgeon partners that, that were partners in our company, my dad, my dad, his partners, and all of their junior partners were all men. Uh, my partner, Chris and I, we were women and they did hire a couple of, of nurse administrator people. We did eventually hire some female people that worked at our company, but we were living in a 90% male dominated situation. So they must have thought, wow, these, these, these gals have a lot of balls. They've got some big balls to ask us to do this. And then they must have thought, you know, if they can be successful, if 
I can be successful, it's just going to make them more money, right? It's just more people bringing them more projects because the more projects you sign, the, you know, the more money you make, you're just making 35% off every center. So the more they sign, the more money they make. Right. And they're the ones making the bulk of the money, you know, and we're just, we would just get, we had the ability to earn. So the deal was, is we would have the ability to earn, was it 1% or 3%? I think it was 3%. We were able to earn 3%. We were able to purchase 3% in a surgery center. It was either one, two, or three percent. It was tiny, so out of the thirty-five percent, we were able to 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 do one, two, or three percent. I forget, and maybe it just depended on the on the deal or something like that. It was a little tiny percent, but a small percentage of a big chunk of money is a lot of money still. <laughs> so I couldn't believe it. We couldn't believe that they were giving us this opportunity, and I'll tell you what. We did not waste that opportunity. I went right to work. I went right to work. This was probably, oh gosh, this is post-Katrina um, in, that happened in New Orleans. And I think Katrina was 2000, oh my gosh, I'd have to look it up. But this was the year, this was the, the, the year after Katrina and I had gone to, um, New Orleans after Katrina to, to take that course on being an administrator of an outpatient surgical facility. The, the course and the, and the training and the testing was happening coincidentally in New Orleans. And I had never been to New Orleans in my life, but I went there post Katrina to do this training and you know honestly i was so i was so shocked and so moved and so transformed by what i saw and what i learned about what happened um during hurricane katrina and the aftermath really the human catastrophe that happened and so fast forward when we got this opportunity to develop our own surgery centers i really realized where i wanted to go was louisiana and i wanted to help have a positive impact on the people of Louisiana, specifically uh, New Orleans, outside of New Orleans, Baton Rouge, Shreveport, et cetera. Um, because after Katrina, a lot of people left that area, include you know people and doctors and nurses, professional people, hospitals closed, all kinds of things left um, the southern part of Louisiana. And... Um, when I started doing my research, um, I realized that actually workers' comp insurance pays really well in Louisiana. Um, the the insurance companies actually have favorable um, payment structures for outpatient surgery, and there was really a need. There was really a human and professional and real need in so many ways for us to bring in quality health care. Um, and jobs, right? And reason for surgeons to be there and to stay there and to give great care to people. Anyway, it's one of those win-win-win situations. So we decided we were going to go to uh, New Orleans and Louisiana first, and that's what we did. And we found a group of doctors, and we we opened up our first surgery center in um, Covington, Louisiana, which is just across the 
Lake Pontchartrain from New Orleans in Covington, Louisiana. Pontchartrain Surgery Center and a shout out. And you know, that, that experience changed my life because I was able to have ownership in that surgery center. And so I started earning once we were open. Of course, it took us like a year to develop it and open it. And then it takes, you know, six months for it to start making money and profiting. So it's a, it's a long, I mean, a year and a half is a long process and it's not a long process. But, you know, when those dividend checks, those profit checks, profit sharing checks start coming in, it changes your life. It changes your life. And, and that, that really, that time in my life, I mean, had one of the single most lasting effects on the entire trajectory of my experience on this planet. Because I went from trading my time for money, you know, getting a paycheck, working a certain amount of hours, doing a job and getting a paycheck to having ownership in something that would pay me no matter what. No matter if I was working, whether or not I was sick, whether or not I was paying attention, whether or not, because once you have ownership in something and it's a profitable business and that business is, is kicking off dividends or profit sharing checks, you're, you're going to, you just receive the check and you just cash those checks and you keep, you keep, so it becomes passive income, passive income. And in this particular case, it becomes residual because these, this particular business model and these surgery centers were very, very successful. So they would put out a distribution check every single month, right? So maybe the expenses every month were $200,000, but maybe the income was $500,000. And so they would kick off a check, you know, a distribution check. They could, they could distribute, you know, $300,000 a month. And that would go to all the surgeon partners and then our company and everybody who owned in that surgery center. And when that starts happening, when you start receiving profit checks, um, for, for work you've done. So I worked really, really hard on that surgery center for a year, year and a half. And then technically I could get paid for that until that surgery center close, I mean, closes or, I mean, or we, or you sell it. And, and that is what we ended up doing. I think two or three years later, we ended up selling that surgery center to a, a larger company. But then you get a big, you know, somebody buys your business, a very successful business, you, you sell it for a lot of money. So anyway, um, my point of telling you this is this was the experience where I, it, you know, I went from paycheck to paycheck, pay, being paid by the hour to earning passive residual income off work that, off really hard work that I did. And, you know, that, that, money, that passive residual income is what has funded the rest of my life. It is what has allowed me to invest in many other companies. It is what allows me to, you know, choose what I spend my time on every single day. Um, and, you know, it allowed me to go on to, 
be able to direct my own life. And so, you know, after that experience, um, I really got it in my head that I wanted to develop my own business plan and kind of chart my own path. Um, I was so grateful for the experience of developing myself in this role with my father. It is really one of the greatest gifts I've ever received was the opportunity to be his apprentice, which I didn't realize it at the time. I also didn't realize at the time what an act of feminism it was for my dad to give me that opportunity. What a radical act of feminism it was for my dad to say, I believe in you, Joanna. I think you could do this. I'm going to work your ass to the bone. I know you have it in you. I see something in you that you don't even know is there, that you don't even know is possible as you ride your happy hippie ass to work every day to make $10 an hour. I see in you something you don't even know that's there. And I'm going to give you this opportunity and I'm going to hold your hand and hold you accountable until you finally feel this and see it for yourself. And I am so grateful that he gave me that opportunity, that he took a stand for my greatness. And I'm so grateful that I took the opportunity and took the chance because I really almost didn't. Sometimes it is so hard to know when you're up against those really, really, really big decisions in your life. When you're so unsure, like you really can't tell which is the right way to go. Like, should I take the job? Should I not take the job? Should I take it? Should I not take it? Like you just, it's not an obvious path. And then something pushes you, something tips the scale and allows you to just choose. I'm so grateful I, I made that choice. And then that I, I worked so hard and I, I busted my butt for years and years and years. And then I reached out and, and requested with my help of my friend, Chris, who did it too with me, we reached out and we took a chance and we swung for the, the rafters to be able to have the opportunity to earn ownership. How dare we, how dare we do that? How dare we ask? We did. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. And after seven years of working for my dad and developing surgery centers on my own and seeing what that's like, I decided that I wanted to create my own opportunity and I wanted to create my own business and I wanted to have a meaningful investment of my time. I felt like I had learned everything I needed to learn in this opportunity. 
and I really wanted I wanted to be involved in something I was really passionate about my you know in in my heart. And uh, so I set <clears throat> to work um, developing, researching um, information, developing a business plan for my next venture, which was also a partnership with my friend Chris, my coworker, <clears throat> colleague Chris. We worked on this business plan together as well. And that was integrative medicine. And we, we indeed, we did develop a business plan and a, and a business uh, with integrative medicine. Um, and I ended up quitting my job and <clears throat> opening up my own business. And I'm going to, that's going to be part of the next episode where I talk about, um, this amazing adventure I went on, uh, opening up my own business using the skills that I had learned. Uh, but you know, I love, I love entrepreneurship. I love the, the entrepreneurial spirit. I recognize and I'm so grateful for this country that we live in that inspires people to be business owners. Um, but I'll tell you what, there's a lot of risk. There's a lot of risk. And, you know, I would say 20 years later from the beginnings of my entrepreneurial world, 20 years later, I, I think I finally kind of got a pretty good grasp on you know, the key elements uh, of a successful business plan. And uh, I love to evaluate business plans. I love to discuss business plans. Um, and that will be part of what I'll be talking about in the next few episodes as we kind of explore business, entrepreneurship, and the pursuit of residual and passive income. Because once you get a taste of residual and passive income. You don't want anything else. So with that, I will leave it. I hope this um, reflection and story um, has inspired you a little bit, maybe learned something. Um, if you find this information, this podcast helpful, or any of the information you hear on um, my recordings, feel free to share with anyone forward um, to a friend or someone else you think that might benefit. I would appreciate any likes or reviews you might want to give and absolutely um, click follow on Spotify and or YouTube to make sure you receive updates when I um, develop a new episode and launch a new episode. With that, I hope you have an awesome day and remember, make every day a good day to die.